really matters? That might be the most important question you can ask. So let's talk about it. Welcome to What Really Matters podcast, Everyday Spirituality with Karen Wyatt. Thanks for joining me here again for another episode. For the last two weeks, I've been talking about trauma, particularly childhood trauma and also ancestral trauma and how we can heal the trauma that we are carrying with us in our shadows oftentimes as wounds from the past. And today I want to go a little further on that subject line and talk a bit about shame, which is one of the aftermaths of some of the emotional trauma we may have experienced in childhood. I think many of us may be carrying shame within us to one degree or another and not necessarily recognizing it. In some ways, our culture values shame as if it's healthy. And and I guess there is a healthy degree of shame where we have a conscience that tells us the difference between right or wrong and leads us toward doing the right things or making the best choice as possible. But shame can also be carried by us in a toxic way that's very harmful to our self-esteem and even to our growth in consciousness. And I wanted to start by talking about the difference between guilt and shame. Um, Guilt is what we feel when we do something that's bad, when we behave in a way that at least has been defined by our our society or our culture, or even by our own moral sense as being a bad thing. We feel guilty about our behavior. But when we feel shame, we actually feel bad about ourselves. We actually feel, I am a bad person. And so it's much more internalized. We feel that there's something wrong with us. We're not good enough. We're broken in some way. And while guilt is something that can be fixed, if we've, if we've done something wrong or something bad, we can find a way to atone for it or to make up for it or to apologize. But if we ourselves are bad and we view ourselves as not being good enough, it's very hard to fix that because we see our basic nature as being flawed. And of course, the truth is we're not perfect. We all have flaws and we all have failures and we may make mistakes and we do the wrong thing many times during our lives. But it is this internalized shame that is very toxic and damaging to us when we're not able to recognize our healthy selves, our healthy flawed selves, and to appreciate who we are in spite of our failures or the things that we may have fallen short on in our lives. And shame, as from some of the reading I've been doing about it, because this is this applies to me greatly. It's something I'm really looking at in my own life is the amount of shame that I carry within me. Um, shame has been utilized as a tool, really. It's been a parenting tool in our society. And parents may inflict shame on their children or make children feel ashamed of who they are as a loving way of trying to teach their child to behave better. And shame can be effective because it may stop 
the child's offensive behavior, but it causes damage in the process. And here's like one small example just from my own life. When I was very little, I used to have a really big temper and I would slam doors and throw things when I got upset. And my parents, in trying to teach me to manage my anger, labeled the part of me that would act out in this way as bad sissy. Sissy was their nickname for me. So I was bad sissy when I would act out of anger. And they had this little ritual anytime I would get upset about something and they would open the window and carry me over and um, hold me out the window and say, we're throwing bad sissy away, throw bad sissy away. She can't live here with us anymore. And so what they were teaching me was to disown a part of myself, to disown my very real emotions that I probably needed to explore and needed to understand about myself. And ultimately, I stopped behaving in anger. I, I stopped throwing things and slamming doors because it was obvious that I would be thrown away if I did that. It was obvious that my parents couldn't live with that kind of behavior and I had to simply repress it inside myself. Now, my parents were not mean people or abusive in any way. They just didn't understand that that was not a helpful way of teaching me how to manage anger. In fact, it taught me to repress anger so that I'd spend my whole life trying to figure out how do I how do I express anger in a healthy way? And um, I was a person who would not get angry until I reached the boiling point and then I would explode and get uh, and overreact and become overly upset when something went wrong at times throughout my adulthood until I began to understand. I never learned how to handle the amount of anger I have inside of me and how to deal with it and express it constructively. So my parents were well-meaning and inadvertently created this kind of massive shame wound within me around my angry feelings. And I think that's actually really common in our society, at least people my age, baby boomers, who were raised by parents of the more traditional generation. Um, schools still use shaming as a way of of controlling students' behavior. And not all teachers do it, but it's a tool that works pretty well in the school. If you shame someone, if you stand someone up in front of the classroom and talk about what they did wrong or put them in a corner or send them to the principal's office, you're inflicting shame as a way of controlling their behavior. Another source of shame is our peers who have learned, learned shame at home themselves and they inflict it on one another. And so we see children all the time shaming each other on the playground and in their day-to-day -day activities with one another. It's a tool that children use in order to try to get one up on another child, in order to keep from facing their own insecurities. They may shame another child. And of course, as I said, they've learned it at home. And um, they're just treating other children the way they have been treated themselves. And another source of shame is our religious upbringing. And I think this is very common and we don't always talk about it. 
But for many, many people who grew up in a very strict religious home, they may have felt shame coming down upon them directly from the God that they've been ta- taught about. They may feel judged and feel bad or sinful inside. And that is a very deep wound that's difficult to heal and difficult to recover from. And if you remain within that dogmatic religious system, you may continue to feel that kind of deep shame all of your life. And in that case, shame is being used as a way of of keeping you faithful, of keeping you within the church, and of, I guess, helping you uh, with um, quotation marks learn that you on your own are worthless and helpless and that you need to put your faith and trust in a higher power that can redeem you from your own sinfulness and your own unworthiness. So many times, and I'm not saying this isn't true of all religion, it's not true of all preachers or all doctrines or dogma. And so it doesn't mean if if you've been raised in a religious home that you necessarily have ingrained shame, but it's possible and it's likely. And you may be someone listening to this podcast because you chose to leave behind the the religion that you were a part of earlier in your life, but you may have brought a lot of the wounding and the shame with you from the religious teachings that that were given to you when you were younger. So it's this combination of parenting, schools, friends, religion, um, even sports, coaches, other organizations that you might belong to, other adults that you interact with who may have treated you in a way that caused you to feel ashamed of yourself and to repress your own emotions and see yourself as broken and beyond repair and never being good enough. So I'm not talking about this in order to place blame on anyone for the shame that each one of us carries, because now that we're adults, we are responsible for dealing with our own wounds and our own emotions and the things that that have come to us in this lifetime. We're responsible for deciding what we want to do about it and how we want to deal with these wounds of ours. And it's not really helpful to place blame elsewhere. Even when I talked about my parents, I I don't blame them. They were actually doing what to them seemed to make sense and seemed to be the right way to parent a child. So it isn't it doesn't serve us to blame others in fact that can ingrain the shame more deeply that's kind of one of the strategies that causes shame to persist so if we want to heal it and we want to repair our damaged image of ourselves we have to move outside of these shame-based behaviors and so i want to talk about that a little bit One thing I read is that shame actually shuts down the learning centers of the brain, which makes it difficult for us to move past it. It makes it difficult for us to learn something new and to actually heal ourselves. And shame undermines our belief in ourselves. This quote from Brene Brown, shame corrodes the very part of us that believes we are capable of change. 
So shame itself keeps us locked in this vicious cycle of hating ourselves and judging ourselves and prevents us really from growing in the ways that we need to grow to move beyond it, to let go of the shame and to heal ourselves. So we actually have to be very intentional about working on the shame that we carry, recognizing it and working on it, because it can't heal on its own unless we put effort into it. And so it's important that we recognize it and understand how we were shamed. So Brene Brown talks about three different responses to pain, one of them being moving away from the pain of shame, in which case we tend to hide from it. We keep secrets about what happened in the past. We don't talk about it. This reminds me very much of one of the ways in which I responded to my father's death by suicide was to not talk about it, to not share it initially with anyone else um, because it was stigmatized and it was a shameful way to die in our, according to our society. So I moved away from that pain initially and kept it secret, didn't talk to anyone and kept it hidden. But again, this is a dysfunctional way of managing managing the pain of shame. Um, another response to that pain is to move toward the shame, but in a way in which we continue to blame ourselves for the shame and we try to make it better by becoming people pleasers, by doing everything we can to do what other people want from us or expect from us disregarding our own needs and feelings because we're constantly trying to be good enough or prove that we're good enough, but we can't heal the parts of ourselves that are wounded by shame simply by trying to please other people. And the third dysfunctional response to the pain of shame is to move against the shame. And that's the case in which we blame other people for the shame. We project it out onto others and we can use shaming and hurtful behaviors to hurt other people. So all three of these responses, moving away from shame, moving toward shame and moving against shame are dysfunctional ways of responding to the shame that we feel. And we may, we may go back and forth between all three of them when we're carrying a big wound of shame within us. Brene Brown also wrote that to survive, shame needs secrecy, silence, and judgment. And all of those are things we perpetuate within ourselves. We keep our shame secret. We stay silent about it and we judge ourselves for having the shame in the first place. That's what creates the vicious cycle that goes around and around. Now, we may feel shame because we were taught that we are bad children, bad people, and we came to believe that about ourselves. We may also feel shame because we were abused physically, sexually, or emotionally in childhood. And that's trauma with a capital T. That degree of trauma may require therapy and much, much deeper healing than the kind of shame that I'm talking about that occurred almost inadvertently for some of us just because of the adults in our lives who believed that this was the right way to treat children. So for someone like me, I consider it a uh, 
lowercase t trauma, not a capital T trauma from abuse, but simply from adults who didn't know any better. So I just wanted to make that distinction. If you're someone who's been traumatized and is carrying shame after being abused, these tactics I talk about may not be enough. You may need the help of a therapist to dive deeper into these wounds and to really look at the pain. So please consider that if that is part of of the history that you carry with you. So instead of these three behaviors that push us away from shame and disconnect us from the pain of our shame, moving away toward or against our shame, we really need to engage and feel the pain of the shame if we're going to heal it. It's essential that we look at it and allow ourselves to feel it. And we've talked about this before in in lots of ways when we're healing the shadow and healing wounds. We have to first acknowledge that it's there and recognize it. For me, when I first had the recollection of the bad sissy being thrown out the window (laughs) ritual that my parents went through, when I I first remembered that uh, and allowed myself to feel the fear and pain associated with it. It was a very powerful experience for me to suddenly recognize like, well, of course I repressed my anger. Of course I was going to learn quickly not to show that I was angry in any way and to learn that it was bad to be angry. Of course I learned that, and I can trace that belief through my entire lifetime, and I can see the impact that it had on me. But I needed to be able to sit with that memory and to allow myself to feel the fear and the the shame that, that arose within me um, as I was being threatened with being thrown out the window. And so that's the essential first step, allowing the memory to return, allowing the pain to be present, and treating that pain with compassion, not rejecting it, not judging it, trying to be neutral about the pain that's there. But it's essential to bring it into the light. Because remember, secrecy is how we perpetuate shame. So the antithesis of that is to bring these emotions into the light, shine a light on them, let them be seen, let them be known, let them be felt. And Brene Brown recommends also to search for what is really true, because oftentimes there are stories that go along with our shame that that are very negative about who we are as people or what our flaws are or our, what our brokenness is. And we need to search for what's really true in this situation. Was I really a very bad child for showing anger? Or was I a child with big emotions who needed help? I needed to be taught how to utilize and manage those emotions in a constructive way. And so we have to be able to look at the stories that we tell ourselves and really evaluate them. Is this a true story or is part of it true, but there's a lot of fiction added onto it and the fictional part is usually the self-blame that we're carrying. And 
Brene also recommends having emotional curiosity that it's important, as I was saying, sometimes rather than judging ourselves, we need to be more neutral, but maybe curious, like, I I wonder where this pain could lead me. I wonder what else is behind it. I wonder, I wonder how this might open me toward healing the pain if I just just feel it and experience what it is, where is it going to take me? And it's important also, as we are becoming aware of the pain, to not over-identify with it, because that could push us again in a, in a dysfunctional direction with our shame. If we over-identify with it, with all of our emotions, we need to honor them and recognize them, but to remember that we are more than our emotions. We have higher consciousness as well. We are not solely governed by our emotions, which can be fickle and can vary and vacillate all over the place. We have higher consciousness and we can utilize our higher consciousness to choose when and how we respond to our emotions. We just don't want to reject the emotions. We don't want to keep them silent and hidden anymore. We want to give them their place, allow them to be present, but use higher consciousness to manage the emotions. And Brene Brown also recommends that we connect with other people. And that is a really important tenet of all of these healing practices is that we remember that we're not alone, that this is actually something very common that most humans end up dealing with is a certain amount of shame and self-blame that has traveled with them since childhood. And so we're not alone we're not unique or different or strange or freakish because we are dealing with this issue. Other people are dealing with it as well. And we may find if we talk about it a little bit, which is what I'm doing right here in this podcast, talking about it, um, we may find there are lots of other people who relate and who are grateful that we're willing to talk about it and willing to bring it to light. And then Lastly, the practice that can be most helpful for us is the practice of self-compassion, which I've talked about before, the value of self-compassion. But in this case, we're applying self-compassion specifically to the, the feeling of shame, the pain of shame that we carry within us. So self-compassion practices, we remember can help release oxytocin, which is the so-called love hormone. And they also activate the caring system within us instead of the fight or flight response. And that's what we need to be able to do to get into a state of caring for ourselves and caring about ourselves. So self-compassion practices serve the dual purpose on the one hand of soothing the negative emotions we feel but also growing the positive aspect of ourselves. So self-compassion helps our lower self deal with its pain and woundedness and helps our higher self see where growth is needed and learn how to help manage these emotions that we need to get control over. So if you remember, if you've listened to some episodes in the past on self-compassion, 
there are three steps to self-compassion practices. And the first is simply to become mindful and aware of the pain that we're feeling, whatever it is. In this case, though, specifically, we're looking at shame, the pain of shame. I feel bad about who I am as a person. I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like I'm broken. And to be able to look directly at the pain of those statements that we're carrying inside and simply hold it, engage with it, and hold that pain in front of us, become aware of it and allow it to be present. And also to acknowledge that it hurts, it feels bad, it's difficult to be carrying this shame. The second step is to recognize that other people have experienced something similar, that this type of pain and carrying shame like this is really part of being human. And so many other people are going through the same thing, are carrying very similar loads of shame within them, have similar wounds to ours. We're not alone. It's common and again, it's just part of life, but it's one of the ways in which we can grow in consciousness within our lives to recognize and deal with this shame. So remember that we're not alone and we're not unique in the fact that we are that we carry shame within us. We're experiencing a challenging and difficult part of life. So that's the second step. The third step is to simply say, may I be kind to myself? And it's recommended that you put one hand over your heart and take some deep breaths and that you also imagine that you're caring for yourself as if you were caring for your very best friend, someone that you love dearly. And you're helping that person, you're comforting them, you're holding them. You're showing your love and concern for them, but you are expressing all those positive things to yourself and finding a way to be kind to yourself. That's the thing that's missing when we carry shame is that shame has no kindness within it. Shame is not kind. Shame doesn't allow us to be kind to ourselves. Shame keeps us perpetually locked in this cycle of self-judgment and feeling unworthy. So again, we really do have to break out of the cycle. We have to do something by intentionally working on the shame and looking at it, journaling about it, as I recommend all the time. That's one of the ways to help us be intentional about it or talking about it with someone else. That it can help us break free from that repetitive cycle of I'm unworthy, I'm no good, I'm broken, um, I behave badly. I can't ever change this. I can't ever grow. We have to break out of the cycle and simply be kind to ourselves. Show ourselves the same type of love and caring and compassion that we would show to someone else who's hurting, someone else that we really care about. 
And it sounds simplistic in a way when we talk about these three steps of um, becoming aware of the pain, acknowledging that it hurts, recognizing that it's part of life. It's part of how we grow up in a way right now in our human life on planet Earth. We grow up with woundedness and with shame that we carry with us throughout life. So we're not alone. We're not the only people dealing with this. And we simply need to be kind to ourselves. And I love the emphasis on kindness. I mean, that is such a beautiful, lovely word. Very sweet. And I think we should all print it out on a piece of paper and post it on our bulletin boards and our mirrors where we can see it every day. Remember to be kind so that say in the morning when you're getting dressed and and looking at yourself in the mirror and you're starting to hear those voices of judgment that say, you know, you're too fat, your clothes don't fit, your hair's not right, all the negative voices in your head if you can see the sign that says, be kind, be kind to yourself, because you would never say those things to someone that you love and care about. You you would never express those, those kinds of hurtful statements. So be kind to yourself and ask your mind to shut that down. Let's, let's not think that way right now. Let's not tell those stories right now. And gradually train yourself to get into a more positive state of mind. This is something I'm working on. And I tell, I told you the story about um, the anger shaming I experienced as a child because literally anger has been um, something I've worked on my whole adult life, figuring it out. How do you, who, how do I even be angry? in a healthy way? How do I talk about anger and express it? I'm still not very good at it. I'm still working on it. I'm still learning about it. But that came purely from a a wound of shame within me. And there are many others that I have to work on. And again, I've mentioned my father's suicide death is a more recent shame wound that I've carried with me in adulthood that I'm also still working on and still figuring out how to talk about it, how to carry it, how to recognize it, engage it and deal with it and use it as fuel to help me grow in consciousness and become more whole and become my own best self. So I hope you find this helpful I'm guessing that all of us are carrying shame in the way that I've described. And I I hope you find some of these ideas can help you in your journey wherever you happen to be. So thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for listening all the way to the end here with me. And I really appreciate your support. Many of you have let me know you enjoyed listening and have also stepped up to make financial contributions, which are very helpful to me. And you can go to eoluniversity.com slash support. If you'd like to make a very small contribution, you can join my Patreon page or buy me a coffee or make a one-time small donation through PayPal. And I appreciate that so much. And I just want to thank you very much for the support you offer. I will also let you know, my latest book is The Journey from Ego to Soul. 
And um, this book talks a lot about our spiritual growth and development and how we develop our higher consciousness uh, as we're trying to grow from being ego driven to being soul guided and directed. So uh, you might enjoy that book if that resonates with you and you feel yourself in that same process of growth. And you can look at the show notes for this episode and you'll find links for the support page and also for that book. So thanks again. I'll be back next week with another episode. And may you find peace and calmness and love on your own healing journey. Bye-bye.